You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Welcome to Women on the Line, a community radio national feminist current affairs program featuring the voices of women and gender diverse people. Produced at 3CR Community Radio in Nam, Melbourne, and broadcast on the Community Radio Network. I'm your host, Fuong Tran. Women on the Line acknowledges that this program is produced and presented on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, and that their sovereignty was never ceded. We acknowledge their elders past and present, as well as the traditional owners of the land on which you're hearing us from. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners are advised that this program includes references to Indigenous people who have passed away. If you need to talk to someone about the issues covered in the program, you can contact Lifeline on 131114, that's 131114. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners can also access a dedicated 24-7 national crisis support line by calling 13YARN. That's 139276. On this week's episode, we look into the prison industrial complex in so-called Australia and how private companies profit from the prison system. In particular, we focus on the high cost of phone calls and how this is impacting families and communities. Across the country, calls are free via payphones, but in Victoria's prisons, they cost $7 and are limited to 12 minutes. We speak to Sarah Schwartz, Principal Managing Lawyer of the Wirraway Practice at the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service, and Monique Hurley, a Managing Lawyer at the Human Rights Law Centre, about the layers of privatisation and profit in the prison system, the exploitation of incarcerated peoples, and the importance of redirecting funds and resources to the community. Hi, my name's Sarah Schwartz. I'm the Principal Managing Lawyer of the Wirraway Police and Prison Accountability Practice at the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service. We work with families of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who've lost loved ones in custody um, and also on police and prison accountability matters. And I'm Monique Hurley. I'm a Managing Lawyer at the Human Rights Law Centre, where I work mostly on projects in solidarity with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and organisations to hold governments accountable for the mistreatment of people in prisons. Thank you so much. The Human Rights Law Centre, along with the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service, currently are calling for phone calls in prison to be made free. Uh, I was wondering if we could start by just talking about that and explaining to listeners how it currently works in prisons when people are trying to contact their loved ones outside. So basically in Victoria, uh, the Victorian government outsources the operation of prison phone calls to a private um, corporation called ComSecTR um, and passes on a lot of the costs of prison phone calls to people in prison. So Generally in prison, one 12-minute phone call to a mobile phone um, can cost around $7. And just to put that in perspective, that's um, more than a lot of people in prison can earn for one day's work. And the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service and 
Human Rights Law Centre are calling for um, the cost of these phone calls to be free for people not to have to pay for the real need for human connection um, that people in prison have to the outside world. And Monique, can you talk about how this has an impact on people's rights? So the staggeringly high cost of prison phone calls really impacts on people um, in terms of far too often mothers and fathers can't afford to be connected with their children, siblings and friends can't stay in touch with each other and it's just really outrageous that a private company can be allowed to make a profit out of people trying to meet one of our most basic fundamental needs as people which is human connection. I think at a time when Call costs in the community are approaching zero and the cost of making a telephone call from a payphone is actually zero dollars. Um, it's just really jaw-dropping that companies can be allowed to make a profit off of people just trying to stay connected with one another. And is there any explanation as to why these phone calls are pretty much free for the community across Australia and yet people who are incarcerated have to pay? Is there any justification that's been given for this? The Victorian government blames it on the fact that it has this for-profit private contractor, Comsec TR, who provides a telephone system. So that's what they say in response. But, you know, despite Comsec TR providing phone systems in Victoria, Queensland and Tasmania, it still charges, people in Victoria still pay the highest amounts for telephone calls throughout the country. So, and, and states which don't use Comsec TR, like Western Australia, charge people in prison a fraction of the price that Victoria does. So, I mean, I guess, first of all, it's just outrageous that a private company, as Monique said, is allowed to make a profit out of people trying to meet one of their most fundamental human needs. But also, you know, it's really on the Victorian government for pushing that cost onto people in prison. They don't need to do so. They don't do so with other um, things in prison. But the Victorian government has made a deliberate choice to make people in prison pay for services um, that they need to meet essential needs. And that and, and they shouldn't be doing that. You're forcing people to be in prison. People have no other way of getting um, ha- having connection to their families, to their communities. And it's the Victorian government that's choosing to push that cost onto people who are already struggling and push that cost onto their families. And Monique mentioned it as well, but just... We hear so much from our clients and our clients' families in prison who have to pay, you know, huge sums of money out of their paychecks um, into their loved one's prison account just so that they can maintain phone calls with their loved ones in prison. We've had, you know, coronial inquests where we've heard these devastating phone calls between parents and children, some of the last phone calls where they're talking about, well, I don't have any more of my pay to pay for, um, to put into your prison phone account and I'm going to have to wait till my next pay comes in. And that's like the last phone call that people have with their loved ones. So I think it's just cruel and punitive that the Victorian government has chosen to push this cost onto people in prison. Definitely. Uh, and I want to go into prison labour and the minuscule amount that people earn in prison in just a moment. But I read somewhere that a representative from Corrections Victoria somewhere was talking about people being able to use Zoom to make phone calls for free. Is that an actual option for people to use 
systems like using their tablet or using the internet to make calls? So the availability of like alternative forms of communication is something that's still relatively new in prisons. It's available in some prisons. Um, I think what we've heard is that there can be quite complicated and onerous systems put in place to access those forms of communication in terms of um, booking systems and um, whether or not they're available and what times they're made available for people in prison. And I think it's just really important to remember um, when the government is saying things like that, that nothing will replace like the ability to have a phone call with family, friends, loved ones, um, and that it should really be a priority to make phone calls free as well as making that other technology more available for, for people in prison to have video calls as well. Sarah, I was wondering if you could elaborate on um, the impact that this has, especially for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who are already overrepresented in in prisons. How does this have an impact on them and and their ability to to stay connected with their their family, their friends, and their culture? Yeah. So um, the Uruk Justice Commission recently released a report and spoke about you know this the impact on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people of being disconnected um, from family and community and culture. Um, I mean. Basically not being able to, you know, any form of going into prison already creates disconnection from family and culture and community, and that disconnection can have profound and damaging long-lasting impacts on people's mental health and on their ability to regain connections with community when they exit prison. And for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who are already over-incarcerated, and already, you know, due to systemic racism, discriminatory policing, the ongoing impacts of colonisation, that connection to community is so important. And, you know, the, the corrections minister already acknowledged at Uruk that phone call charges were excessive and that that disproportionately impacted on First Nations people. And he promised to look into what could be done and we haven't seen any changes yet. I was wondering if you both could talk about what other aspects of the prison system are privatised and how services or other companies uh, are making profits from this. Monique, is it just when it comes to telecommunications that is that is something that's being privatised and that companies are exploiting uh, people over or are there other services that people have to pay for? There's heaps of different levels and like compounding levels of privatisation um, in the prison system. And so thinking about your question and thinking as a starting point, it might be good to talk about that private prisons exist, like in the whole institution itself is privatised. Um, and so in Victoria, we have the most private prisons out of any jurisdiction in Australia. There's three here and they are run by for-profit companies um, whose like the business model really and their very existence depends on locking more and more people up. I think it's also really important to note that a lot of the companies that run prisons um, often have really well-documented histories of um, not only running um, prisons overseas but also running immigration detention facilities around the world where refugees and people seeking asylum have had their human rights abused for years. And so thinking about it big picture, 
you know, prisons themselves, whether they're private or public, are, pro are inherently problematic to begin with. But then when you're zooming in and thinking about private prisons in particular, they're particularly problematic because of, um, yeah, that we're enabling people to profit off of people's punishment. And there's also a lot of issues around accountability and transparency that are more acute in private environments as opposed to public prisons. And so that's the kind of one layer of privatisation. And then as you were getting to in your question, um, within that, there's, there's privatisation within that and also within public prisons where particular um, services are privatised and the, the outsourcing of the telecommunication system is one example. And another example is um, health services. And maybe Sarah might talk to that um, a bit more in terms of privatisation of healthcare in prisons. Yeah, sure. I think, yeah, I think the, the privatisation of prison healthcare is one of the most egregious examples of privatisation um, within the prison system. So Victoria is the only state which, um, except for women's prisons now, all the healthcare provided at public men's prisons is provided by a private corporation, um, currently GEO Group, who are a subsidiary of a larger global private prison profiteer um, in sort of the vein that Monique mentioned. The issue of privatised prison healthcare came up um, most recently um, in the inquest into the passing of Veronica Nelson, who passed away in, an Aboriginal woman passed away in 2020. Um, after days, she was only in prison for three days. She passed away after days of crying out for help and essentially her cries for help going unanswered. The coroner in that inquest heard evidence about the private prison operator, the private prison healthcare provider, Correct Care Australasia, and found um, that there were major deficiencies in the way that Correct Care provided healthcare and ultimately referred Correct Care Australasia. You know, the coroner found their behaviour so egregious and the lack of accountability, their treatment of Veronica, the lack of proper policies and procedures, the way in which they just didn't at all, you know, follow their, their policies and protocols, found that to be so egregious that he referred Correct Care Australasia to the Director of Public Prosecutions for investigation of criminal prosecution. And I believe that that may be the first time that a private prison healthcare provider has been referred to the Director of Public Prosecutions. I think that really speaks to, you know, the egregiousness of their behaviour and, you know, the way that that played out for Veronica and for so many other Aboriginal people in custody is not only that companies like this, you know, as Monique said, they prioritise profits over people, their core objective, um, you know, their, their objective, which they have to meet for their shareholders, is to make profits. Um, that means spending as little money as possible. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean providing the best healthcare. And we know from, you know, um, the privatisation of healthcare in other industries, like when you look over to the United States, it's pretty clear that states which have privatised models of healthcare have worse healthcare outcomes. And prisons which have privatised healthcare have more deaths in custody. You know, after Veronica's inquest, in one, in a step forward, the Victorian government moved away from um, private prison healthcare in the women's prisons. So now the healthcare provided across the women's prisons in Victoria is provided by public healthcare providers. But for the men's prisons, they just changed 
the corporation that they held contracts with to GEO Group, who was formerly the parent company of Correct Hair Australasia. And I think that that is, you know, a really good indication of how a lot of these companies shift and change, change parent companies, change formations, but ultimately still provide a model of healthcare that it's unaccountable. And at least from the people that we speak to in prison, they say that not much has changed. It goes back to what Monique was saying, just to connect with what you were you were speaking about just now, Sarah. It seems like there are so many layers of privatisation that it makes it impossible for there to be any accountability and for people to get a adequate, appropriate healthcare that they deserve as a human right. But also, yes, any sort of justice or accountability when things do go wrong. And it seems quite insidious the way in which these private companies operate and how they manage to shift and change and yet essentially still remain part of the prison system and continue to make lots of money off people who are already going through so much. It made me think of something that Angela Davis wrote in one of her essays, she said that, you know, the penal system, it devours social wealth. So instead of instead of all of this money being invested into public health services, education in order to prevent um, the criminalization of people who are already systemically being oppressed and ostracized in so many ways. These people are then criminalised for for that and then suffer yet again by interacting with these private systems. So it, it seems the punishment is just ongoing. Your your quote, your Angela Davis, you know, it reminds me of like a quote that um, Ruth or something that Ruth Wilson Gilmore says about private prison. She describes them as parasites that operate in the wake of an entire criminalization project and I think that that is so yeah is so true of at least like the things that we see you know it's not it's not that the privatization itself is the only issue with prisons it's certainly not but you know the fact that um the government is willing to push more and more money into incarcerating people, punishing them, subjecting them to torture and cruelty and not on, you know, community services and things which we know are actually, you know, helpful and invest in communities and give them the power um, to take back control of their lives. So, yeah, I think that, you know, it's, yeah, as you say, this really like insidious aspect of the prison system just funneling like more and more money and trying to make profit off people who are already disadvantaged, already oppressed in in many other ways. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to go back to what you were saying earlier about prison labour. You know, the the phone calls that we were all discussing can equate to, you know, 60 to 90 cents a minute plus connection costs. And often people who are trying to make these phone calls and stay connected to their family and friends can't afford it or they don't have enough money in order to make these calls. So I was wondering if you, Monique and Sarah, if you could explain a bit to our listeners how prison labour works and um, how this impacts on uh, on the people inside. So, yeah, while I think 
$7 for a phone call is pretty exorbitant for anybody. As you are pointing out, people in prison can barely earn enough money to afford these calls and earn in inverted commas because I don't know if you can call the kind of exploitation that happens in prison. We talk about work, but it's not really. They are, you know, forced to perform labour to earn money and depending on the nature of what they're doing in prison, they can get paid anywhere between $3.30 to $8.95 per day. And so what that means is for most people, a day's labour in prison doesn't even necessarily cover the cost of a single phone call. And I guess returning to this point that we've been talking about over and over, you know, the idea of accountability and transparency Is there any accountability when it comes to workers' rights for people in prison? I know we we said just now, you know, it's not really work, it's it's like forced labour, but are there any, yeah, rights for people in prison who are being forced to do this labour and are being paid at such a low rate? I guess in short, no, there are carve-outs in workplace laws um, and even um, in laws in regard to unionisation for people in prison. Um, So it's just sort of, you know, another way in which people in prison are not given the same rights that you or I have in regard to work. And, yeah, people in prison deserve to have, um, you know, meaningful days to to spend their time doing meaningful things, things that are meaningful to them, like we all do. And, yeah, the rate per day is, is just, yeah, it's not work. It's a pittance. The Victorian Parliamentary Committee urged the Victorian government to make it free for parents to call their children. Is that something that has been implemented? No. So there's been multiple reviews, um, the review into the criminal justice system, the review into parental incarceration and the impacts on children, as well as the Rook Justice Commission, and they've all looked at this issue about the really outrageously high cost of prison phone calls and how that impacts on families and people's ability to remain connected with loved ones and other supports. And they've all made recommendations about the need for this issue to be looked at and for the moves to be made to make prison phone calls free. You know, it's a really simple and straightforward step that the government could take that would have a really significant impact on Um, the lives of people who are currently being subjected to the criminal legal system and is just something really straightforward and really the bare minimum that the Victorian government could be doing to help people in prison stay connected with loved ones. And finally, bringing it back to the work of the Human Rights Law Centre and the Victorian Aboriginal um, Legal Service, how are you continuing to, to put pressure on the Victorian government to make sure that these phone calls are free? So I think that at every opportunity um, that we've got, we're raising this as an issue. As Sarah said earlier, um, the Minister is is really aware of this. It's something that was put to him at the Europe Justice Commission and it's something that he, he promised to look into. He accepted that the price of prison phone calls was, was unacceptably high and so following up in terms of what his office is doing to, to you know, action that promise. And everything that Monique said, you know, the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service will continue to advocate for free prison phone calls. And, you know, ultimately 
what Vals has put forward is that, um, you know, time and time again through the Europe Justice Commission, any other opportunity that we have um, to be saying to the Victorian government that they need to be investing in communities, not in prisons, and they should commit to Vals' zero prison population target, you know, I guess ultimately we need to just stop pipelining people into the prison system in the first place. Prison is a harmful place for all people, but especially for First Nations people who are more likely to experience abuses in prison. Um, and that's all exacerbated by loss of connection to community and culture. Yeah, thank you so much for that. And I guess that ties in really nicely with this quote from Angela Davis that I wanted to end on. She says, it ought to be possible to build movements in defence of prisoners' human rights and movements that persuasively argue that what we need is not new prisons, but new healthcare, housing, education, drug programs, jobs, and education. And with that, I wanted to thank both of you for joining us today and, and speaking to us on such an important issue. So thank you once again, Sarah and Monique. Thanks so much for having us. Yes, thank you so much. That was Sarah Schwartz from the Victorian Aboriginal Legal Service and Monique Hurley from the Human Rights Law Centre speaking about the layers of privatisation in the prison system and the pressure being put on the government to remove costs of phone calls for people in prisons. The title of Angela Davis's essay referenced in this episode is called Masked Racism, Reflections on the Prison Industrial Complex. Okay, this might sound crazy, a little bit strange, but I can't help feeling a little deranged when I think of you these days, when I think of you these days. I can't help it every time I think of you, my heart stops. I swear to God it's better than when the beat, the beat drops. In all those songs I listen to on my way to work while flirting with a fantasy of you. I know that both of us are pretty awkward, so getting into med is gonna be very difficult, but it doesn't matter to me, cause baby I just wanna intimately conversate with you. I don't care if it's romantic, I don't care if there's no love, all I know is that I'm frantic, seems I'm drawn to you from above, I know that it seems pedantic, the things I'm saying don't you're calling oh you're calling to my chest it's my center of so many things femininity and all my creativity all my strength and my foundation is not stationary and you consume all of that you occupy all of that can't you see that it's ridiculous for me to stop and think of you or try to make a fuss because i know you told me once that you were with a girl and that was the song Conversations by Imbi. That's all for Women on the Line today. We would love to hear any comments or thoughts you have about the program, so please send us an email at womenontheline at gmail.com or give us a call at 3CR on 03 9419 That's 03 9419 you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Women on the Line is a national feminist current affairs program. It's produced and presented by a range of women and gender-diverse broadcasters from 3CR in Melbourne and broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network with funding support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. 
The theme music for Women on the Line is by Ripley Kavara. All Women on the Line programs can be downloaded from www.3cr.org.au forward slash women on the line. I'm Fung Tran. Tune into Women on the Line next week on your community radio station. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.